You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Ian Cruikshanks is the Chief Economist at the Centre for Risk Analysis at the South African Institute for Race Relations. I speak to him every Tuesday. We often go through bad numbers and good numbers and world events and market moving events and markets themselves. And this week is no exception because, Ian, I haven't seen the, haven't gone through the NAMSA numbers and that's the new vehicle sales numbers with any great detail. But from what I can see, they're not, not particularly good. No, very uninspiring, I must say. What they're saying was that in January, uh, vehicle sales, total vehicle sales, were down by 8.1% on January a year ago. Now, we've got to take that a bit cautiously because BMW has stopped uh, giving out their monthly sales and they say they'll only do it on a quarterly basis. Why? But it's not that they're such, but we don't know. Yes, that's my first question. Why? Could it be that it's regarding for competitive information? Um, I don't know. Remember there was a time when Mercedes went through the same trick. Uh, I I don't think it does too much regarding uh, competitive situations or not. But uh, it's unfortunate because I believe that the financial community should be allowed as much access to these sort of data as possible. So I don't think they're doing their own cause any good by this. But anyway, let's go back to the sales number. They are down quite considerably. They were up a year uh, a year ago. They're now coming down. And uh, what is interesting is that exports were down by 37% year on year. Now, our motor manufacturing sector relies on exports. makes a huge difference to our tool. Uh, I think this is a bit of a worrying factor that foreign purchases are saying we're not sure of the uh, of, of the continued reliability of your deliveries or of the pricing. So it's, it's a cause for concern, and we'll see what happens there. Yes. There was something else that, I, that caught my eye that I was interested in. Yes. That is the, the sale of CNA. You know, it seems to have dwindled to a less, much lesser force than it used to be, but it's still 167 stores. That's a great, that's quite a high number. Edcon were the controlling shareholders, they sold that. They had got a 2.7 billion rand recapitalization from Guess Who, the PIC. Guess Who the biggest shareholder is, the PIC. So I don't know quite what is going on behind that, but I don't really like the look of that. CNA has been a loss leader for some time, and I would say that Edcon are well rid of it. Well, I think CNA is one of those stores that you, you sort of feel comfortable about. It's like in the UK, when I lived there, it was WH Smith. And when I came to South Africa, CNA was the WH Smith of South Africa. Yeah. And it's other, other places that you go to as well, like Boots the Chemist. I mean, imagine if Clicks, for example, uh, suddenly yeah. left the South African high street, although there are no South African high streets. It's all shopping uh, malls or malls, as you say. But it just seems to me that CNA is part of South Africa. And I don't know, maybe they, they just haven't kept up with the times, maybe online has damaged them. I don't know. I think it's more of the former than the latter, because if you go into CNA, it's a bit of a mess, quite honestly. Yes, yes it is. And what is interesting is that you know, your local spa shop has got a good rack of, of magazines and newspapers and things, and, and so I think perhaps and sell stationery in limited quantities. So I think that you know, the competition has become very difficult to manage. 
Yes, it has anyway. Another tale of woe. But um, we had a PMI number out yesterday, Ian, which was also not particularly good, still mired below the 50 level. And it's not as if it's a surprise or shock or uh, something that we should prick up to because of this this number of uh, maybe five points below the 50 break-even mark. But it's still, it's just still quite depressing. It's most depressing. And remember that manufacturing is 15% of GDP, contributes that much. That's quite a big sector. And, uh, you know, if we're saying that, look, this is really now in the doldrums, or possibly worse than that, then uh, it's an indication as to the outlook, because the PMI is about expectations to quite a considerable degree. And I think what they're saying is that looking three, six months down the line, it's, it's, a, it's not a positive picture for manufacturing. That's, that's unfortunate for things like job creation and so on. And so it's a bit worrying. And I think it goes to, to confirm the view that our expectations for overall GDP must be pretty close to zero. I can't see much greater number than that in the course of this year. Yes, indeed. Um, Elsewhere, we've got some very important weeks ahead of us in South Africa. As I spoke to an economist earlier today, uh, we've got the State of the Nation address, we've got the budget. Uh, The 13th is the SONA, the 26th is the budget, and then March the 27th is the Moody's pronouncement on our rating. And uh, these are very important weeks for the Republic of South Africa, I think. Oh, indeed. And uh, as for for fixed capital investment in South Africa coming from offshore, it's going to be a a deciding factor, a deciding week as to whether we're going to see those flows reappearing or at a lower level or at any level. And so I think it's important. I'm sure the president is very much aware of the importance of what he has to say, the sincerity with which he needs to be saying it, and also the credibility that he can stir up uh, for a solid backing for Eskom and other state-owned enterprises. You know, we've got to know what what the position is, whether they're going to be these whole black holes that swallow up an in, indefinite amount of capital, or whether we're going to see, as Eskom seems to be moving in a direction of, of, uh, uh, of, of making them standard-owned services. Well, if he, can, if he can say that with conviction, then we've got a chance that maybe we see some support from a capital inflow in the, in the near future, in, in, in the medium term. That's what it's all about, I think. And that will determine what the RAND is going to do. That will determine what inflation is going to do. And the confidence that both consumers and, uh, and, and manufacturers and, and uh, business sector has. So, yes, I must agree with what you say. It's a really important period coming up for, for, for the outlook, for the economic activity for the rest of the year. Yes, it really is. And of course, the overseas developments are also going to conspire either for us or against us. At the moment, people seem to be very sanguine about what is happening in in China and indeed uh, spreading from China to the rest of the world. But as I've said to many other commentators, it would be tragic if we get our act together and we don't get downgraded and all those other fanciful things. And suddenly the world conspires to bring us down because of um, the coronavirus. Yes. Look, that is a very real threat. There's no doubt about it. And we are now part of the global community. We're not a little island all on our own. And we have to realize we have to take precautions and be very much aware of the activities that there are in, in this sort of sector and the rest of the world. Uh, because, you know, as you say, it's a real threat. Let us hope that we can cope with it. But, Ian, are you, are you slightly confident that perhaps we've reached our lowest point? Uh, or do you think that there, we still have some more pain to come? Because you're always very good at this. You're very much a long-term thinker. 
well, if somebody was saying, what sort of shape of recovery do you see? V-shaped? Absolutely not. U-shaped? I don't think so. I think if we see an L-shaped uh, development coming along, and as we come a long way down, maybe we at the, that's the bottom left-hand corner of the L, and it's going to bump along at GDP rates of around about 0 or 1%, but in that minus 1 to plus 1 for the foreseeable future. How long is the foreseeable future? Oh, it could either be 12 months or even more. We had it before. We did cope. We've got different people directing the the uh, government at this stage, but maybe we're going to see a realignment of interest and alignment towards more business sector oriented. If that is so, one's got to say, okay, that L-shape has a chance. Perhaps we can hold our own, but I wouldn't look at it a little bit better than that for the time being. Ian, thanks very much for your insight. That's Ian Crookshanks, who's the Chief Economist at the Centre for Risk Analysis at the South African Institute for Race Relations. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.